Welcome to my podcast, Today's Dream, Tomorrow's Reality. My name is Vicki Poole. I'm a master transformational coach specializing in habit change. And this podcast is sponsored by The Enlightened Peach and is all about embracing our mosaic life. And some of you may ask, what is a mosaic life? Well, it is recognizing that all the pieces of our life, the good, the bad, the indifferent, have all come together to make us who we are. So change any one thing and we are different. With that in mind, I invite you to embrace your perceived imperfections and celebrate who you are. This podcast is unedited and raw, just like life. I am your host, and I have a special guest with me today that I'll be introducing in just a moment. But if you any have any ahas, questions, appreciations, please leave a comment or a voice message and remember to like, subscribe, and share. So now let's get started. So this beautiful lady here is Ankara. That's right, right. Ankara Rose. And um, uh, she is in a group that I'm actually a member of. And she was in there one day and she was making posts. And I thought, oh, she sounds amazing. I want her on my podcast. I reached out and we've had a chat since then. And so I want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing with my audience all about your story. So um, let's open this up a little bit with you just sharing not what you're doing now, but how did you get to the place where you're at now? Amazing. So thank you so much for having me. And I just, before I even go into that, I just want to say how much I love the mosaic life. That's what, yeah. Yeah. That's my jam. <laughs> my jam is embracing all of those pieces and very much tied into my story, right? As I think probably all of us, right? We have this yes. crazy winding road and all of these parts of ourselves that, you know, times we judge, but when we can embrace them, and that's really a big part of the work that I do, when we embrace all these parts, we get to we get to live life holistically as our full selves. So that being said, so how did I get here? Oh my gosh, what a, what a long and winding story. <laughs> so, you know, I'm born and raised in New Jersey. Don't say Joycey girl. Everyone's ever, <laughs> if, if that's I'm part of your Atlanta, lingo. I don't say that okay, I'm glad. <laughs> I hear that all the time, but born and raised in New Jersey, um, you know, my, my, I, I kind of have to talk about my family cause that's the root, right? Like we all, mm -hmm. that's our foundation. So my mom was just very unconventional, like not a hippie, like a mainstream hippie, but just like moved to the beat of her own drum. She was, she was a child of Holocaust survivors and oh, they, wow you know, clearly like a lot of trauma came with that and their way of just kind of moving through it. They were like, they're just a little bit different. And um, so my mom, that was my mom's story. My father was a heroin addict, right? So like okay. right off the bat, times he was clean, times he was not. And this is, this is the life that I was born into. I also have an, an older sister. And so, you know, because of all of the turmoil in my family, from the very beginning, my mother who had this like very, I love my mom. She lives in my town. I'm just, she's like my best friend, right? So and I really appreciate the way that she raised me because she always had this belief that her purpose as a mom was just to raise us to be fulfilled and happy. 
nice. not to check off any boxes for herself, yeah. right? Like not, none of that, it was never about her. And so as we were going through this drama and this trauma in our family, I, I mean, literally from the time I was three, I was in therapy, I was in therapy. And wow. you know, like it was how like so from the very very you feel like that's more from i don't mean to interrupt but i probably do it a bunch of times i will be honest (laughs) me too so it's fine (laughs) just like we were sitting at the table right (laughs) Um, but uh do you think that's more from the fact that your father was a heroin addict does that uh, you know because that i cannot um, I don't have any experience with. I do have some experience with someone else who was a heroin addict that, mm-hmm. you know, had an effect on my life, but mm-hmm. um, definitely not a parent. Mm-hmm. And from what I know of that, you know, it can be pretty drastic from, you know, almost like someone who has, um, who is bipolar where it's like, everything's great or it's not, you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, is that, did, did you find that to be the that, truth? My, you know, my experience, first of all, like that, that absolutely shaped my whole life. Cause my father and I, like, I just loved him. Right. As we do. And when he was clean, he was just wonderful. He was uh, like a naturalist and a like interested in science and technology way back before technology was, <laughs> I mean, it was a thing, but not, not like now, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm in my forties. So, um, but so my my primary experience of my father was he was there and he was here with me and then he was gone. So it was again and again. That's my whole my whole beginning. So of that my was life probably was a lot of abandonment. So issue. much abandonment, yeah. so much like the joy of having and the heartbreak of losing. But that cycle, learning that again and again and again, like definitely put up some walls, definitely mm-hmm. created some like some schemas about like how I view the world and how much, you know, like fast forward many years, but like really doing the work on myself and realizing how hard it is for me to let myself like really want what I want, because there's always this feeling of like, yeah, but it's going to go away. I've had to learn how to embrace that, but that's, that's for later on in the story. Cause we're still, I'm okay. still a child okay. here. Okay. <laughs> so, so all of that, like, you know, my, my, my mom was, she was wise. Right. And so, she was just like from the very little she knew about dealing with addiction because that was not part of her world um she realized that like i needed a place where i could stay in touch with myself through all of this and so i was i was my dad was like kind of gone for good by the time i was nine just Mm -hmm. gone you know and so it was my mother and my sister and and i and we had to move around a lot we didn't have a lot of money we spent one year living with my with my cousins and my aunt and uncle like there was just there was just a lot of turmoil but i i mean i should be really messed up based on my childhood but i swear it was the fact that i always had this grounding cord to myself through therapy like i never there were times when i went over the edge right i'll get to Mm -hmm. that in a minute but like i still always knew who i was yeah and you know part when you're saying that part of it makes me think that um so much of that, not only the therapy, but due to the mom that knew that you needed to be that way. And so just her knowing that probably helped to ground you in some ways, because you could have gotten um, a mom that just kind of ignored the whole thing and let you just 
be, you know, so bless you for having that, that mom and um, having that incarnation um, as your choice, right? (laughs) I really do feel lucky, right? And it's not that mom is perfect, because nobody's perfect. But like, we do have like, she, yeah, I just call it like this big picture wisdom that she had. And she just knew. Meanwhile, like years later, even just recently, I found out how hard that time was for her. She was keeping it together for us. And you know, in those moments also, like, I'm sure that intuitively I felt that it was hard for her. My, you know, my role in the family was also to kind of keep it all together. Like, don't let anybody know that things are not okay. Cause mom can only handle so much and my sister right. can only handle so much. So that was very much my what, role. What age difference family. were you and your sister? My sister's uh, about five and a half years older. Okay. So she's, so a she was older. like, and, you know, and here's the thing about being in therapy, though, and this is like a little bit, I'm, we're going real raw here. I oh, hope that's okay, right? That's like, good with me. From the t- I have a memory of being five years old. This is, this is, I don't know if I've ever told this story publicly, but we're telling it here. I have a memory of being five years old and my father driving me. We, we live right outside of New York City. So him putting me in his car and bringing me into the city to score drugs. And I remember we're driving back. I remember driving back over the George Washington Bridge. There's this turn, right? And I remember turning to him at five years old and saying, you know, people who do drugs, that's, they're bad, right? So I had some awareness. Mm -hmm. And I remember him saying to me, well, like, just very honestly, like, well, you know, I do drugs. And at five years old, like how I think back sometimes, like, I remember that moment. I'm getting, I'm getting emotional. I remember that moment. It was so, it was such a like, like eyes open. Like how could, like my whole schema had to change. My whole, my whole understanding. My dad and know that he's saying that. Right. And it's like, I had to change, shift this belief of like, but I love you. But if that's bad, like, so I feel like that was this core experience in my life that allowed me to hold polarity Mm. I don't know if that makes sense but like it does even from that age I had to hold like this is bad this is wrong right like from a you know a five-year-old but drugs are bad right and they are but you know like having to hold that and then seeing my father beyond the drugs right like knowing the truth of my father knowing that he wasn't bad right and so I held this you know, when I look back, it was beautiful that I was told all of this and that I had a language for it and that I felt safe enough to speak up. I do think in some ways my childhood was cut short, right? Because to be five years old, six years old, nine yeah, years old, adult 15 years old, conversations. it's, a, it's, it's yeah. an adult conversation. And, you know, I appreciate the way that my, you know, my mom raised me as a human, not as a child. I don't, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, she didn't baby me. She didn't talk down to me. She asked my opinion about things, but you know, now I'm a parent, right? I've got a 10 year old and a 12 year old. And I, I have like different boundaries as a parent than my mother did. I love some of what she did, but I do. It's very important to me to preserve my children's childhood as much as I can. Cause it's a short window. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, now they're, they're 10 and 12 in the year 2024. So, you know, it's, it's very different than when I was 10 right? and 12. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So should I just keep on rambling the story? Just keep Are you cool on. With that? We're okay. listening. Cool. I'm listening okay. for so, sure. 
so unfolding right now. I'm like, you know, daughter, single parent, single family, moving around a lot. Hit the, the, the teenage years. And now I went into my own experimentation with drugs and with sex and with, with all of these pieces, you know, in retrospect, really trying to understand what was the thing that was more important than me right? Because yeah. that was no matter how much therapy I had, there was still this core, we all have this core limiting beliefs, right? And mm -hmm. mine was, I'm not good enough, or I'm not important enough, that he could choose that he would choose me instead of that. Yeah. Right. And so I went through my own journey, drugs in high school. And then it turned when I got into college, it shifted into an eating disorder. And so I had many years of addiction. Um, I won't say like it wasn't severe. It wasn't crazy. I I was walking the edge all the time, but there was something about so you me were more in an experimental. It was definitely place. experimental. It was pushing the edge. It was a it was definitely escapism too. You know, yeah. it was. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think part of it was youth, but part of it was this like seeking. Like I, I really. It wasn't conscious, but I, I yeah. know there was some sort of quest to understand what life was like for him. I obviously wouldn't do heroin, right? Like I had limitations, but I did push the envelope a lot. Um, but there was still, and I, I still think it's because of the therapy, like I would push things so far, but both feet would never go over the edge. I don't know how else to describe it. Like, you know, my I would go out with my girlfriends and they would be walking into the middle of the street in New York City. And I would be mama bear 10 years younger than them, you know, pulling them back no matter what was going on in here, you know, like mm -hmm. still had this grip of like, well, even you know, some of that probably comes from when you're in your family dynamic, you said you were the one that was trying to keep things together. Yeah. So when yeah. you, when you grow up that way, you still do that with your friends and all those in your business and everything. It's oh like yeah. You, you're like, Oh, let me, let me hold it all. I don't want it to get out of place. <laughs> and sometimes it's a blessing and sometimes yes, it's a curse. Right. <laughs> so it helped me there, like for yeah. sure. Um, yeah. And I love, and I love that point because absolutely right. Like we, the way that we learn to survive, that just comes with us. We can do all the subconscious reprogramming and personal work, but that's a tendency. It's almost like it's a deep groove. That's very easy for us to fall into no matter mm -hmm. what's going on in our lives. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I, I kept this thread of truth to myself to the point where like, even when things were really bad, my eating disorder, to be honest, was harder to overcome than the drugs. The drugs were like for fun. That did not feel fun. So was, was the eating disorder, was it um, anorexia? Was it bulimia? bulimia? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I learned, you know, I learned from, I, I never went to treatment, um, but I, I'm, I'm like a seeker. So, and I like to be honest with myself. So I was even like, I'm like, wow, just like, totally honest with myself. I'm like, wow, can I curse here? Sure. Okay. I don't care. I'm just like, wow, this is really fucked up, you know, but I'm not ready to stop. Yeah. Right. And I would, 
just have these conversations with myself through like the hardest times, times when I was like, wow, I'm doing really well. And then I'd relapse and I'd be like, fuck. Can I ask like, you some questions about that if you don't Yeah, mind? please do. Okay. Please do. Well, yeah. the reason um, is because, you know, I, um, I don't know how, I can't remember how much I shared when we were, when we talked earlier, but I've been on, I've been on a diet roller coaster mm. and everything my whole life. Mm -hmm. And I have had times where I did, um, I did different legal drugs that were supposed to stop you from wanting to eat. Yeah. Um, and then I have done the thing where I tried to throw up and everything, but I could not seem to do it. It was like, mm -hmm. there's got to be a trick, but I have a really good gag reflex or something because I couldn't make it work. Bless Thank you God. and you're lucky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and teeth then are thanking you, by the, the way. <laughs> I did the laxatives, you know. Yeah. I did yeah. so many different things that just looking for that magic, that one thing that would make it different. And, mm -hmm. you know, and it is amazing to me that I'm as normal or normal as I am. Um, and, you know, but I did struggle with that my whole life to going from, you know, I would get thin and then I've got pictures, you know, I got really big and then I would get thin and really big. And that's how mm -hmm. I got into health coaching and life coaching was because I was so tired of doing this shit over and over again. I said, I have either got to make peace with being really fat and just be okay with that, mm -hmm. or I've got to do something different without the diet. And that's how I got started in this whole arena that I'm in now with the hypnosis and, mm -hmm. you know, and all that stuff, because it was soul wrenching, you know, to be in that place all the time. So I'm just curious, you know, how that how you really got started with that and how you were able to overcome that. Yeah. Uh, it's such a great question. So I was heavy, you know, like I was pretty heavy in, in high school and then moving into college. And I, I moved, you know, I went away to college. I went to Baltimore from New Jersey, not super far. Um, but I think things felt really out of control for me. And I would just, binge to kind of not feel it and was so uncomfortable that I would, that I would purge after. And, um, yeah, like it started like not, it started like it was not a thing, but then all of a sudden, very quickly, it just became a thing. And it was a lot of, you know, I, I wouldn't say that I struggled with my weight my whole life. Like I was heavy in high school and really confident, like probably the most confident I was. And I was at least 60 pounds more than I weigh now. You know, like I, I didn't mind being big. And I don't really think that my eating disorder had much to do with my weight at all. Mm -hmm. I think it had to do with control. Um, and so eat, how and does eat. that look like control? Mm -hmm. If you don't mind well, me asking. It was like, finally, remember that, that conversation about like, well, I had to keep it all together. When I finally let myself not keep it together, I would go so far. And then the purging was this illusion of, well, now get yourself back together. Right? It okay. was almost this... I don't know if that makes sense, but it was well, did, almost like I was you, in So control. were you, when you were doing that, were you also doing massive exercise and stuff too? I, no, no. It was really well, just that. The reason and and by the way, I didn't lose any weight doing that. Oh yeah. That's the other thing, right? Because yeah. like. Well, the reason I'm asking, there's a show on, um, I can't think it's on Apple TV. I can't remember. It's called Physical. 
Mm. Have you seen that? Yes, I did. See, okay. It was, and you remember? There, it was a little triggery for me, to be honest. Yeah, I'll bet. Yes. Um, because um, it was amazing to me, the voice in her head, oh, yeah. you know, as she's going through that. So anybody that has been curious about how somebody can get in that space and really be so attached to it, you know, watch this show because, I mean, Ooh, it was yes. like, holy shit, you know, and yeah. But I remember like for me, it was, it wasn't, it could have been a little bit of control, but it was more that I was so out of control with my eating mm -hmm. and I was fat and I wanted to not have the effects of all this eating. Yeah. And when I was in college, after, right before a big event was coming up where everybody had to fit in their dresses and stuff, oh, they were still eating like crazy in the, the dining hall or going out to eat. But every day in the bathroom, you could hear them different people making mm -hmm. this throw up. Mm -hmm. um, and that's when I tried it was I thought, mm -hmm. well, that's it. That's the answer. But mm -hmm. I couldn't seem to do it. And thank God. But, thank you God. know, it's, yes. it's yeah. bigger than we could ever imagine, you know, that it's going on. So I'm sorry. Well, um, and I, and I have to say, like, I mean, this will go into a whole existential conversation, right? But mm -hmm. I actually have this belief that the way that women treat their bodies is a, a direct reflection of how humanity treats the earth. Mm. I mean, when I say existential, I really, I, I believe that we have been culturally indoctrinated or programmed or influenced. You know, when you focus on your body and when your body has to be perfect, when a, a human body that is not perfect has to be perfect, boy, does that take a lot of energy. Yeah. And how convenient that women are putting so much energy into something other than whatever else they could be putting their energy into. Then, I mean, think about, right, those times, right? Like the times of dieting, right? Cause, cause everyone, we've all been dieting for years, right? Like right. how much energy it took. Uh, concentration. To, plan, to feel <laughs> guilty, to put, right? Like all of the pieces of it. Yeah. yeah. Massive. Yeah. And you know, you know, I didn't, I, like I said, like, I didn't go to treatment to heal. Actually, the way that I healed was personal development. And I, you know, I'm a, I'm a teacher, just like, I'm just naturally a teacher, been teaching forever. And so I decided to just learn everything I could. And then I created a little support group for myself. Oh, nice. People. And we just kind of met and talked yeah. about this stuff. And the first meetup. Some, yeah, it was a meetup actually. It was, was it? literally a meetup in New York City, <laughs> right? And some of the people got better, and some and some didn't. Yeah, right? but I did. Yeah, I did. I learned how to heal. But I will say the biggest, like it feels so strange, but I feel like what set me on my whole path for my business in many ways was one book that helped me heal, and the book is called Intuitive Eating. Hmm. And the whole premise of the book is diets don't work. And the reason that we eat out of control is because we do not have relationships with our bodies. Yeah. And so the book just teaches us like super simple steps to like how to start listening to your body. And that became the metaphor for everything for me. It was almost like going back to my like roots of going to therapy because when you're hurting yourself consistently, right, whether it is taking diet pills or, or whatever, we're, we're not honoring our bodies, right? We're treating our body like a burden. We're treating it like a slave. We're abusing it. We're, 
betraying it, we're judging it, right? That's not a partnership. Right. And so it was like, I had to find my connection with my body again. And, and I'm not saying like, love your body, because when you hate your body or you judge your body, it's a very big leap from judgment to love. Yeah. yeah. For me, it was just like, hey, my body's a body. Hey, yeah. my body's relying on me to treat it well so that I can survive and live a long life, right? It was those kinds of shifts and really, you know, just just beginning to learn how to listen to myself yeah. differently. And it's, and it's funny that you mentioned that because that's one of my big things when I work with my, with my clients and I have a body beautiful program that's going to be coming out in February. Mm. Um, and it's all about, you know, well, not all of it, but a lot of it is about finding the beauty in the body that you have and appreciating for what it does. And that, that doesn't mean that you're accepting it just as it is. If you want to change it, you can still change it, but right. you can't change anything that you hate. Oh my gosh. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So that's the thing. And, you know, and, uh, and I, I uh, so with some people, it depends on who the client is. I have them go through a cleanse and that's to rid them of all the toxins and the sugars mm-hmm. and the caffeines and the, all the different things because you can't listen to a body that's addicted to things you because can't. it's speaking a different language. It's speaking the language of dopamine. Right? Yes, like, yes. That's it. And so um, like recently I had a client that she did the cleanse and she, when she started adding foods back in, you know, um, she added in her first one was going to be gluten because she loved bread. Mm-hmm. So she had one piece of bread and got so sick like she had the flu wow so i said well don't eat anymore because normally you know you do it for two days and then you cleanse and you add another thing Mm -hmm. i said don't eat anymore go ahead and do a two-day cleanse Mm -hmm. and then you can add something else and i said if you feel really strong about it and you want to try again you can Mm -hmm. but just one piece of toast and you've got that kind of reaction you may not have celiac disease but you definitely have a severe sensitivity to gluten right and so And I told her, I said, you've probably had the effects of this forever. You just thought it was something else. And so that's the beauty of doing a cleanse and and getting a clean slate so you can hear what your body's saying, because listening to your body is the paramount to anything that you do. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right. I always say like your body, your heart, right, like these, your soul and the mind, right? Yes. I know we make the we make the mind a bad guy, but the mind is not a bad guy. It's yes. it's a helpful tool, right? Like it's supposed <laughs> well, to Well, without it, we would be stuck. Right? Without us, we <laughs> yes, exactly. This conversation certainly wouldn't be happening, right? <laughs> so I I completely agree, right? And like I think that we're going off uh, we're going in a different direction ah, here, hell, right? But cares? like it's meant to be, I, right? When I think about the like the modern world and I think about technology and I think about sugar and I think about TV and I think about social media, did I say social media, social media, right? Like all of these things stop us from hearing ourselves. They all separate us. They all keep us distracted from listening. And I don't think it's a big conspiracy theory. Some people might think it is like, like some, you know, there's some orchestrator on the top. I just think it's a dopamine thing. And the people have figured out like, oh, when I give this person dopamine, they stay on my app longer. Like, I just think, you know, that that's all well, it is. And they're not even thinking about look dopamine. look at TV right? commercials, you know, 
that's been going on forever. Mm-hmm. And that's what that is too. It hijacks you. It almost hypnotizes you into a certain place so that you want their product. Absolutely. You know, we, so, you know, my kids grew up in an era without, we don't have cable TV. We've only had like, you know, Netflix or, you know, like whatever it is. Streaming socials. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so like now when they watch regular TV and the commercials are on, they're like, what, like, what is this? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you have no idea. <laughs> and then of course, what's the first thing they do? Hey mom, I think I need this uh, yeah. thing. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. you've been hijacked, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> That's but you're totally right. Like we've we've all grown up with that. And I think that, you know, we can go and we can judge it and we can make it wrong. But for me, I feel like a, a an easier path, right? Kind of like what you're saying is like, well, we have to accept that it's there. <laughs> Right. And us being pissed about it or feeling like if we feel like a victim to it, that's not empowering. Right. So, right. like, yeah, this is the way the world is. Now we bring in the awareness. And so now we have some choice. Right. And so yeah. maybe the commercial comes on and we mute it. Or maybe we set a timer for how long we're on social media. Or maybe we do a cleanse and we say, this whole weekend, my phone's going to be in a lockbox and I'm going to survive and life will go on without me checking my, you know, email every mm-hmm. 15 minutes. Yeah. Well, we you know, do those things. It's funny because, um, you know, now this day and time, our phone is attached to us. Like mine's right here, right? Yeah, yeah, mine's right it's, there. It's on silent. So in case somebody calls, it's not going to interrupt anything, but it's right here. Yeah. Um, and then I have a business phone that's in the other room, you know, so I have two phones that I'm working with. And the the interesting thing is that one day I, I ended up, I set my phones down next to my purse and I was leaving and I was going somewhere and I was in a car with someone else. Mm-hmm. And just a little ways down the road, I went to get my phone and it wasn't there. I said, oh my God, we've got to go back. And they said, no, we don't have time. We've got to go. Well, I said, well, then you've got to message. My daughter was at work. I said, you've got to message my daughter and mm-hmm. tell her that I'm out of commission right now. If she needs you, call her. I mean, you know, it was like before this, because I'm a lot older than you. And so I remember when... <laughs> You left, I left my house to go to my friend's house. I had to call when I got there because mm-hmm. until I got there, nobody could get in touch with me. Right. And then I would say, I'm here. And then when I was coming home, I would call again. I'd say, I'm on my way home. And, you know, and you, you left your house. Nobody could connect with you. You nobody. might stop and get a pay phone if you wanted. But it's just amazing to me that now people not only can connect so quickly, but so many people have the little app on their phone so that they can track everybody they know. Oh, I know. I don't do any tracking because I find it kind of creepy. Like, I, <laughs> and I know some people love it, but like for me personally, I'm like, I don't, that's too much connection. Yeah. I need a little, give me a little space. Nobody, yeah, nobody yeah. know where I am, please. And <laughs> I, I don't need to know where you're at. Even my kids, I don't, I don't check. And I, I think about that all the time too, right? Like my, we're in the house that my husband grew up in. And we're in a little town, a little suburb outside of uh, New York City in New Jersey. And this street, like, you know, it was, sorry, hold on. And this street was, uh, speaking of phone going off, um, it was like a tree-lined street with a bunch of kids. And, you know, my husband tells stories about, like, and he's he's not much older than me. He's, you know, forty in his mid-40s. And he, um, 
you know, his mom would be like, come home when the lights turn on, when the street lights come on. And that was the only rule. He didn't even have to call where he was going, yeah. right? He just went out and then he came back. And I don't know what would happen if he didn't come back or if he came back late. I'm, I'm assuming they would worry, but like there was none of this like hyper, it's hard not to be a helicopter parent when you are tethered to your child, even when they're being independent. Yeah. So, but I can I, say it's yeah. a different time now there, but you know, there was probably the same shit going on, but it's just, it wasn't in our face. Yeah. So we didn't know it. And, you know, and, and I'm kind of a proponent too, that what you focus on is what you get. Right. So I think sometimes the fact that we can be so hyper-focused on everything that can go wrong, mm -hmm. you know, that sometimes just kind of brings that into our field of vision. And so maybe, like I said, maybe it was happening then, but because it wasn't right here where you focused on it all the time, we didn't experience it in the same yeah. way. Yeah, I could absolutely. be wrong. You know, that's just my opinion. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that I've like, re I read an article that said that like, there was way more crime there. Like oh. It was more dangerous for kids and we had no idea, right? We just did our thing. Yeah. And like most, most of us survived, I'm guessing, you know, like at least in the, in, in this part of the world, you know? And yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I completely agree. Right. Like if you're focused on all the fears, then even when things go right, you're going to feel like you're not safe. Yeah. And if you're focused on the joy, then even when things go wrong, you're going to find the, the moments of beauty and the moments of joy. And we have the to learn that muscle of our attention and what yeah. we focus on. Right. Like that's huge. Yeah. yeah. That's All right. Cute. I know I got us way off where we were going. Get back to I your story. <laughs> I love it. Where was I? Hmm. Um, you were, I think it was, I think it was, I think it was sobering up, up and cleaning up. With the bulimia up. thing. Yes. Yeah. 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 How, how you, how you got. Yeah. Rid of it. So I found this book and like right around when I started to apply this um, intuitive eating to my life, I was out of, I was, maybe out of college in my last year, I, I didn't last long in Maryland because of the addiction, because of that. I, I was, I was about a year and a half there. And then it just, I just wanted to come home. So I transferred to a local college and came back to live with my mom, which was much, much better for me. Um, and you know, I think that I got, I don't even, it's a little foggy to be honest, but like I got out of college and I got like, I, I got a job, teaching at a learning center and was kind of doing my thing. Um, and I was really interested in like um, industrial organizational psychology for some reason that was like super I don't even know what that is, go ahead. It's, it's basically like consulting in business. Like how okay. can you keep people motivated and healthy in business? I don't know why that was interesting to me, but I was just like, I'm going to go get a job in HR. So I found a temp agency and got like a little job in HR in this company. And I was so miserable. I hated that job. I've, I, that was the only job I've ever had that I hated so much. I don't know if it was just being in a corporation or just being in that role, but right, like, I don't know, maybe three months into that, I think it was actually my father who had cleaned up and we had built a relationship. I skipped that whole part, but we were fine. Um, <laughs> he had a friend who was a life coach mm. and he just randomly sent me an email. He goes, check out what this person's doing. 
And I contacted her and she was a life coach. And I said, well, where did you get trained? And she said, oh, this place called CTI, Coaches Training Institute. And I said, I want to do that. <laughs> so I was about 24, 23, 24, like young, right? Yeah. And I flew to Minneapolis where my dad was living and they had a training there. And so I started this journey of becoming a life coach at like in my early 20s. Nice. Um, and from there took a, like a leadership, a year long leadership training program. And, you know, I guess I was always meant to be an entrepreneur. Like when I really look back, I was always like from for, for a long time, I was always like, I was tutoring, I was doing something. I was, as soon as I found about coaching, I was coaching. I never had the business acumen. Like that was not even in my wheelhouse. Remember I was raised by someone who said, just be fulfilled. So I was like, I'll just yeah. do what I'm good at, you know? <laughs> um, which was that, and I didn't even talk about, I've been a musician since I was 13. So I would play oh, some music kind of and I do, you know, do these things. Yeah, I'm a singer songwriter. I, I had a pretty, a pretty, solid career as a commercial singer songwriter for for many oh, years oh man sing us yeah. something <laughs> i can't <laughs> i can't um oh, no, i'm I can't. just teasing i'm just teasing. i'll send you a link put you on the spot <laughs> yeah um it's it's funny I have, I have an interesting relationship with music now but yeah. i that, that's also a part of what i do so i've always been somebody who's been entrepreneurial and so i'm kind of skipping forward right I'm like, so awe i'm just telling yeah. you i'm in awe go ahead are you not entrepreneurial? Oh yeah, I am. But oh, you are. I didn't start this coaching journey until mm. I was in my fifties. Mm. You know, so mm -hmm. I think, man, would it have been amazing to have had that idea at that age? Mm. You know, um, because it's just just the the growth that I've had in myself from the time I started my health coaching journey, because what happened with me was, like I said, I was heavy and I wanted to get rid of all that stuff. Well, at mm -hmm. first I thought, well, I'll hire a coach. And mm -hmm. I thought, you know, I think I would be more accountable if I became a coach. Yes. If I pay all this money for school, yes, then I will do what it says to do. And even if I don't teach anybody else and it helps me, then It'll be money well spent. Well, I did health coaching, life coaching. I did a mastery program with them that was a year long. And then I got into hypnosis. And, you know, so it's just been, it's like one, it's like it, it just starts everything just turning to where, oh, now this looks delicious and this looks mm. delicious. And so I've just, it's been a journey from then, but my family was all entrepreneurs. So my family was hairstylist. They had their own salon. And, mm -hmm. you know, so that part of, my life was, was there most of my life, you know, mm. but not the self-development yeah. coaching kind of thing. Now they did business development kind of stuff mm. for their mm. business, but I don't remember there being like life coaching kind of stuff, you know? Um, yeah. so it was like, the things that they did was like, you know, how to win friends and influence people and yes. those kinds of things, you know? Yeah. So it was, it's, it was different. Yeah. It's so interesting. I feel like, you know, we're in this really unique era where we understand that the development of self as an entrepreneur is essential, Yeah, right? Like yeah. we can't, we hit these blocks in our business that aren't about business. I mean, we hit business blocks too, but there's so many blocks that are mindset. You do hypnosis, you know, right? Like the yeah. power of mindset, the power of our limiting beliefs can literally, when we can unlock that, we can 
reached such higher levels in our business, we are at this place, thank goodness, right? Because I think that it makes more responsible leaders when we're taking our own personal growth into our hands, when, when that's that's like a non-negotiable for us, right. and then we're growing a business, that's how we get better leaders, you yeah. know? And it's funny because I told my sister one time, I said, you know, I was having money issues and it was like, oh, this is crazy. I said, but when I had this payment that was what I thought was huge, and now a little bit later, the payment I've got is triple it. And I'm still in the same place. It's like mm. I struggled with the little one and now I struggled with the bigger one. And it's like the common denominator eh, right here, right here. <laughs> it's you know, so, true. so it's not how much money I was making. Yeah. Yeah. It's how I thought about the money I was making. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, I wish I wish that um, this was something that they taught in schools because mm. if people could have a different mindset and I will share really quick. I, um, I shared on my Facebook just a little bit before we got on here, cause I was perusing different things mm -hmm. and I had just discovered, and you may already know this, that the game monopoly, do you know much about it? Um, I mean, I've played it, but okay. Yeah. Well, it was originally invented by a woman and it was called, Oh hell, I forgot what it's called, mm -hmm. but anyway, it had, um, it was the whole purpose of it was that people were um, in, in the game that people helped each other. People did things to work together in all these processes and stuff. <laughs> and then um, she had like two sets of rules. So one of them was this game. And then the other set of rules was where there was a one person that um, created everything to the other people's detriment. So they were trying to keep the monopoly for themselves. And there was a gentleman that got to view her game and he took that game and, and developed it with Parker brothers or whoever it is that mm -hmm. did it. Mm -hmm. And so then they manipulated her and took her rights away. So, I mean, it's a huge story, but it's like the whole game in the beginning was so that everybody learned and everybody prospered. And because one of the things you had to do was you got credits for how much time you worked on helping Mother Nature. <gasps> I want that game. Yeah. Can we bring that game back, please? Yeah. I mean, so I'm laughing at the absurdity and like, of course, right? Like, because it, it's so reflective of the times and our culture and... You know, I'm not saying I, I I don't think that capitalism has its place, right? But like, what's the cost? What's the yeah. cost of a, of a monopoly, right? Yeah. What's the cost yeah. of this self-serving behavior? And the cost is big. I, yeah. I thank you for sharing that with me. I have to go. Like, if you if you yeah, find I, I posted, that, I have I, to I have to look at that. Yes, you, I posted it on my, okay, on yeah. my Facebook page yeah. right before we got on here, and it's just a big article that's written about the woman who created it and who she was and all these different things. Cause it's a, a very compelling mm. um, story about her and what happened. So I just wanted to share. I love it. Someone's going to make a movie out of that. Right. They should. That they feels, should. Yeah. It feels yeah. so awesome. And then they'll bring back the new, right. Here's my ideas, right. Yeah. They're going to, they're going to do a movie about her and then they'll bring out the, the anti-monopoly game. Yes. Yes. And, and wow. they, they show pictures of it. And I actually went to a website that was about it, but it said that to come back and check again. 
So <laughs> I don't know what that means. If maybe mm. it's probably just not created anymore. And so they mm. don't have any, I don't know. But anyway, I, I just, mm. I just wanted to share that real quick. Mm, I love this story. <laughs> now my, again, my, my wheels are like, not that I'm going to be the one to do it, but somebody please go take this idea and yes. go do that. We put it out in the, yes. in the ethers. So somebody's going to grab Receive. that and go with it. Receive person who yeah. can do these things. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Right. I don't remember. I have no idea how we got here, my friend. <laughs> I don't either. I don't either. It's okay. Yes. All right. So let's go ahead and go a little bit, um, fast okay. forward a little bit. Yes. Yeah. You are, um, uh, you're, you're married, you got your kids mm -hmm. and now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Here's now friends. I know it's again. <laughs> Boy, boy. And I'm sure everyone can can relate to this, yeah. right? Like, how did that to that to that to here? Like, I don't know, some sort of miraculous. Yeah, it's, I always feel like there are no accidents. So whatever it, it comes up, that's what's supposed that's, to be, right? Okay, perfect. Yeah, perfect. So, okay. So I was doing, I was doing my own thing with business, really tutoring. Um, we'll just say tutoring. I, I had a good tutoring business and I was making money uh, as a songwriter, as a commercial songwriter. And you know, all of my clients came very easily. I was never serious about business. I was just like, oh yeah, this is just what I do. And then the referrals and then the students would come and that's what I was doing. I was also on the side creating workshops. Clearly I do a lot of things, right? Doing workshops for women. And I that's was- That's what entrepreneurs um, a, do. Yes, I know. I was also on a priestess path. Um, so doing some sacred feminine work uh, really since my, since my son was a baby. Um, and- been a healer since I was 18, right? Also, like <laughs> all these things. So one day, like something clicked for me. I don't know if it was my age. I don't know what it was, right? It's this just we hit the, we hit this point in life when I was just like, I'm gonna get serious about business. I'm gonna make money and I'm gonna find a way to be successful. And it's like as soon as I made that decision, everything fell apart. <laughs> it's like I had no idea. Something about that mindset. It was like, it wasn't just beginner's mindset, right? Because I like beginner's mindset. Somewhere in that process, I, I decided I don't know what I'm doing. And so I better pay someone else to tell me, right? Mm. I started to look at what everyone else was doing online and feel inadequate. I started to try to piece together little pieces of what I saw working for other people. I spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on training programs, often training the same thing. <laughs> I would just keep on buying programs yeah. to teach me the same thing um, that mostly I didn't complete. And, you know, the further that I went, giving my authority away, that's essentially what it was, right? I gave other people my authority away. Yeah. The less connected I was to who I am, what I like, how I serve and why I even want to serve. Like, yeah. Why would I even want to do this? It became very much about me. Right. And I say that like, in just like, there's not even any judgment. That was part of my growing process. I made it about, I, how do I make money? How do I do this? How do I do that? So it, it became so your monopoly game. It became my own monopoly game. A yeah. thousand percent. See, that's why we talked about monopoly. That's right. That's, that's why you came in. <laughs> So 
it so it all like it culminated i don't know if i can call it a culmination it's more like a like a crash landing <laughs> i paid i don't know i won't even say the number for a year-long program in a mastermind with a woman who again i was doing the spiritual work and she promises like new earth very spiritual perspective on marketing very pressury sales call gave a couple of thousand dollar deposit two months into this thing and i was a mess because the program was so opposite of who i am it was so opposite of who i was it actually reminded me of who I was. <laughs> uh, well, it served its purpose. Yeah, no. Yeah. And so I brought, you know, I brought my concerns to the leader and she basically tore me to shreds and told me I was uh, self-righteous. I was basically like, I feel like these tactics are manipulative and I, I can't do them. Are there other options? And she's just like, you're self-righteous and you need to go work on yourself. Oh my God. And I, so I had spent all that money paid up, paid in full. Did she give you a refund? Well, I had to fight and I got a very, not even a third of it back. Wow. Um, but I, I basically just stopped showing up. I, I, I hit this point where I was just like, I was so sick from going on the calls. Like it was making me physically ill. I'm like, I have to walk away from this money. And it was the rest of the money that I had. Like, it was kind of like one of those, like, don't worry, you'll get your money back tenfold. It was yeah, one of those. Yeah. I love you those. You know them. Yeah. You know yeah. them, right? Yeah. yeah. We all know them. Fell for those before too. Right. So long, <laughs> long, long story, still long, but maybe a little shorter. At, at my bottom, somebody, like I had heard of human design and I had looked at my human design, but never really got into it. And somebody said, I don't even know how is one of these like little divine things that come in. Someone said, go like, you should get a human design reading. And I'm like, I guess I'll get a human. Like, I don't know who I am. Maybe this will tell me who I am. <laughs> and I went for this human design reading and it woke me back up nice. to who I am in a really, really deep way. And that was the moment when all of a sudden the pain that I went through and that struggle that I went through going through that whole ordeal with the, with this woman in the program, I saw that it was all leading me up to that moment. Just like you said, there are no mistakes. Right. And I knew like in my mind, I'm like, okay, there's, I know this is happening for me, but you know, when you're going through the shit, it does not feel like it's happening Mm-mm. for you. Doesn't it's feel just good. like a, it's like placating the pain. It takes right? a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Sometimes it's a long minute. You need the perspective of yeah. being out of it to really be able to look back and see just how much it helped you. So from there, um, human design, I don't know if you're familiar, right? mm-hmm. we, we talked about it, you're familiar with it. Lots of people yeah. are now, there's a sister system called the Gene Keys and I really got into that. It's, it's basically, it's, it's brilliant. And that became my, really my passion. And I started to use human design, mostly Gene Keys and through my own healing and building myself back up and coming back into my center and then like channeling my entrepreneurship and my offers through like through these really aligned channels of like this is who i am this is how i want to serve then i started to share it with entrepreneurs and i started to do readings right this is over a few years Mm -hmm. and so it just became this thing where like my passion became like, 
I, yeah, I want to teach you how to build your business, but I don't, but what I really want to do is I want to teach you how to build your business your way. Yeah. To be you, that's what I never had. That's what I needed so yeah. badly then. Yeah. And that was the thing that I had to learn the hard way. Now in human design, I'm, my profile is a three, six and every profile, it's like these two numbers that you can look up your profile. And maybe I'm a one, three. You're a one, three. You know, so you have the line three, two. So anytime you got a line three, you'll see the decimal points are threes in your human design. That means you're supposed to get it wrong and refine it, right? Yeah. We, we, it's trial and error and it's make a big mess and then figure out what works. Why? Not just for you, but you take that wisdom that you gain and you share it with other people, right? Yeah. And so like, look yeah. at you with your story, with how you like overcame, like, I just love like so classically one three that you were like, I'm just going to learn it for myself. <laughs> and then, so, like, I love that because right? ones love to just learn information and three, you got to test it out and then you got to share it and serve with it. It's yeah. really, really beautiful. And I'm a three, six and a six line basically acts like a three for like the first half of their lives. So it's like lots of, lots of mess and lots of trial and error. So take a breath. Cause I know we're like kind of moving towards the end of this, but we're, we're good. We're, okay. We're yeah. Good. So, yeah. We don't, I mean, uh, I have a, a paid zoom so we could talk forever. Okay. You know, we could split <laughs> it into two. It doesn't matter. Perfect. Perfect. Whatever, you know, well, okay. I want you to get your story out, but yeah, let me ask yeah. you one so, thing. So essentially like, you know, this work, I'm a refiner. That's what I do. Right. Mm -hmm. I said, I, I try things out and I test them. And so in doing all this work with these mostly women, mostly female entrepreneurs who are very soul led, I started to see where human design and gene keys was helpful and where they needed a little bit of refinement. And so what I did and kind of this is where what I'm working on now in my business. So you're kind of filling in the gaps with what I'm you're doing I'm filling now. in the gaps. Okay. And I, really, my passion is making things accessible to people. I like I really like I don't believe in gatekeeping. And I think that when there's a powerful system that people benefit from, we can't have overly complicated systems and overly complicated language because that creates a barrier from people being able to access it. And yeah. so one day I just, I don't even know how it happened. I sat down and I basically, I could say channeled, I can say refined, I can say decoded. I basically translated all of the gene keys and many aspects of human design through an entrepreneurial lens okay. and i created a map that lets people understand what their unique genius is in 13 areas of business and it's called the success codex and that is where all of my work and all of my energy is going now because all that i want to do is help people be more of themselves and make money doing it like right. I think so we, do yeah. you do like a, a, a reading using yeah. the, the gene keys and um, mm -hmm. the human design? And then after the reading, you show them how to use. So your I code? actually have my it's my own graphic. It's okay. my own codex. It's it's like a different picture. OK. Um, and I'm I mean, I, I, I don't I, is it, I don't know when this is going live, but in just a few weeks, people will be able to access this through a very big uh 
website called geneticmatrix.com. All right. Well, cool. We'll, we'll definitely have stuff. to include that information yes. because yeah. as long as, as I'm not backlogged with how many people yeah. I've had on podcast, it goes yeah. out pretty quick because I don't edit okay. anything. Yeah. Well, I mean, whatever. Hey, if, if you, if you check genetic matrix and I'm not there, check again in a week. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so people will be able to, you know, just the same way with human design, you enter your birth date and your birth, you know, time, date, location, and it will populate your human design, it's going to populate your success codex. Okay. And I, you know, and, and so essentially I've been doing a lot of readings with people and I've got big plans for, for this year, really training other entrepreneurs and coaches, how they can use the system with their clients. I'm really, nice. I'm really excited about it. Right. It's yeah. So I don't know who's going to be watching and I didn't even mention this before we got in here. So if I'm putting you on the spot, just say, I don't know yet. Okay. Mm -hmm. So um, if you want, is there something you want to offer uh, the guests that if they watch this and they reach out to you, they can do something special? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I would love, I would love. So what I'm doing now, right? Like as I'm getting this program, the, the training program ready is I've just been doing a ton of readings and I love it. People are walking away with like mind blown moments. Um, so if you're interested, it's really for just to let you know, it, it is for soul led entrepreneurs. So you don't necessarily have to know what you want to offer. But if you know that you are here to be of service, and you want to do that in a way that's really deeply aligned. Because like, let's face it, when you're aligned with yourself, you're going to hit a lot less resistance than when you're trying to be like somebody else. Right? Ask right. me how I know. <laughs> Right. So, well, well, if, I will say yeah. I had a gene key read, not gene key. Oh, you I, did. I would love to have the gene key, but I had the human design reading mm -hmm. and I'm a manifester. I don't remember what the hell it is. Manifesting um, generator. Does that sound right? What? Manifesting generator. It was a, uh, it was yeah. two words. Um, I don't remember. Um, I think but, you gave me your info to look up. You want me yeah. to check? Yeah. 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 Um, because I was going to say that one of the things that when I had that reading is that I start a thousand things and I just go gung ho and I love it. But then, you know, it's like, oh, that one looks really nice. And then I'll kind of revert. And when she did my reading, she said, that's natural for you. Yeah. And so just take that. And these are some things that you can do to harvest all of that, in, that, gifts that you have. And I said, Oh, that is so good because I always felt like something was wrong with me because I oh, did yeah. that, you know, and I'm always busy, always learning. And I'll have people that say, Oh, you're, you do too much, but yeah, but that's your nature. I just looked it up. You're a manifesting generator and a thousand okay. percent, you are meant to do the things that really keep you lit up and keep you excited. Yeah. And I think in our culture, it's so like, we're just in this kind of hyper-masculine still, which is like, you focus on one thing and you move towards the one thing. And some of us are just not built that way. I have a hard I mean, time with that. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a man, I'm a generator. I'm not a manifesting generator, but I have a lot of uh, initiatory energy. And like, I have a few things that would make me look like a manifesting generator. And I have the same thing. I can't tell you how many people in my life told me you're never going to be successful because you can't just choose one thing. And I just went, watch me, yeah. <laughs> watch me, yeah. you know, and then secretly I'm like, I'm never going to be successful. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> but I found my way, right? Yeah, like, and yeah. that's, 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 that's the whole point is we find our way. <laughs> but I love that you brought this up, right? Because I think that that's the, it's true for human design and it's you true for jinkies and it's true for the success codex. When we understand the way that we're built, the way that we're meant to do it, we get the permission slip to do it the way we always wanted to do yeah, it. Yeah, because that's I swear before is. I got that, I, always, I felt like, you know, I was supposed to be following, you know, what the other people said with focus on this one thing. When you get that done, then you can do something else. But mm -hmm. it never felt right. But so I thought, well, what is wrong with me? Why can't mm -hmm. I not focus on this and stop with this? So it's. I think that's where all that shiny object syndrome comes from, yeah. you know? Yes. Because... Yeah that's how I felt, you know, it was like, whoops, squirrel, you know, mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and I always felt like it was something wrong with me. So that just gave me, ah, oh, that's part of my gift. Mm -hmm. I love it. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and it is, and it is, it's funny. I, I, um, I have a program called create and launch your offer by design. It, mm -hmm. it actually starts in like two weeks. And it's one of the things that like I love doing is we look at what your type is and we say like, well, if you love to be able to put your hands on lots of things, how can we create an offer that lets you do that? Right. It's so and I love kind of brainstorming these pieces of like there are there's an infinite number of things, ways that we can structure our offers and an infinite number of things that we can offer. So we might as well choose one that works really, really well for us, that leaves us feeling satisfied and fulfilled. And like we get to use these natural gifts like to their extent, we mm -hmm. really get to honor them because some people are not like that. Right. Some people are like, I can do one thing and I only want to do one thing. So they would not excel in the same type of offer structure. Right. That maybe you would or maybe that I would. Right. right. And it's important to to be able to. Um, to really like refine the things that we want, like it's it always starts with us right. anyway. Right. Like human design is not the guru. It's not meant to be that it's meant to help us refine what we already have we start with your passion we start with your why we start with your you know your desire to serve yeah and then we layer in this to just refine it and make it better for you yeah i i love the the thing that i love about those two things the gene keys and the human design is not that it that i i don't look at it as like the magic pill or whatever mm -hmm. but it's almost like it it almost gives you, and I think what you're talking about that you're creating right now might even do it a lot more effectively because I haven't seen it yet, but I'm mm -hmm. sure you said it fills in the gaps, mm -hmm. but it's like, it, it kind of gives you almost like a map of what your brain and your personality is yes. so that, because we spent, if you're, most of us have spent our whole lives with other people trying to form our personality and who we are from what they wanted us to do. Right. And so we kind of, that's why we get so far away from it. And we start trying to take on the mold that they've given us. And when we, when we start coming out of that mold a little bit, it's like, we feel like, uh Oh, we're doing something wrong. This can't that's be right. right. And so I loved it that it just kind of gave me permission that all the things that I felt we're actually me. 
Yes. And I wasn't, you know, it was, it was, it was very bizarre to have something like that. Just all of a sudden, it was like, suddenly I sat up and said, okay, I'm a manifester and I do yes. this and that's just the way it is. Yes. Uh, I love it. My heart's going like, Ooh, I love, I love hearing your story about this. Cause yeah, that was totally my experience. Right. Yeah. And like, you know, I would say like the gaps that my, that the success codex fills are human design and gene keys. They, they are a personal and spiritual development tool. The success codex, everything is filtered through this lens of how can this help me as an entrepreneur, right? So we're looking at, you know, not to go too deep into it, but human design and the gene keys, they're based on the planets and what gates are in the planets. So my system also is, but instead of looking at like, uh, I'm trying to think of an example, like instead of looking at Venus from like a like regular relationship, right, whatever key code is in your Venus, we're looking at it as about like, well, what's the primary relationship in business client. So how what's what Venus helps us understand how we attract clients by being ourselves. Right. And so we look at these keys and the keys are like, um, like permission to be ourselves rebirth, how do we move through change? How do we take initiative, visibility, brand, um, client attraction, uh, our capacity to hold more money, clients, et cetera, expansion. Like these are some of the pieces that we're looking at. So it is all very business. Um, but again, like I would say the biggest gap, the, like the biggest thing that it fills is actually the language by making it more accessible, right? Because okay. again, if I am told I am words that I don't really understand, it can only take me so far, right? The point of Gene Keys is you learn these things about yourself and then you sit back and you contemplate, right? Which is, be I mean, well, I love that. I actually, the the gentleman who started the Gene Keys, um, yeah, he's on, uh, yeah, he's, um, I watch him on YouTube and he's actually, I'm part of some program that he's in, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, so he will actually talk about the Gene Keys and things like that. And it's still half the time up here. You know, um, I bought the book. I opened the book up and I think, fuck, oh, I, I don't understand what this is. <laughs> oh, let me find the page that I do understand. And so I just get confused on this is supposed to be my gene key, but I'm supposed to know what these other gene keys are and what they do and how they relate to mine. And it was like, ah, so I, I love that you're doing something that simplifies things. Yes. I guess that yeah. to me, that's what it sounds like. It simplifies it so that it's speaking it's almost like people that translate the Bible, you know, from Hebrew and they keep breaking it down until then you get the, the new living version where it's like, yes, he said no, you know. It's right. Yeah. It's like, can we just use the language that yeah. he actually used? Yeah. So it's, you know, to me, it's kind of like that. It's, yeah. it sounds like what you do is you break it into like the, the, the new version. So it's spoken yeah. in today's language and we can just understand it. Yeah, no, that that's exactly it. Because just like you said, it's it's like it's this thing of like it's just not accessible enough. It's not accessible enough. And if you've got two years to contemplate a gene key, good on you, yeah. right? But 
But uh, I, I would say personally, like as an entrepreneur, right? Cause that's the point of this system is we don't have two years to contemplate. So yeah, whereas the piece says contemplation, I say information, application, integration, right? Yeah. Like we get the information and now we apply it to our business because yeah. that's where we learn about it. We don't learn about it here. We learn from doing, that's how we become more of ourselves. Not by thinking about being ourselves, by right. being ourselves. Right. And you and know, that, and then we that's integrate. why I started my podcast was because I feel like, and I don't know how much of this is all the molding was done from being a child, mm. but I felt like I always had to really filter everything I say, mm. everything mm -hmm. I do, mm -hmm. because I didn't want to upset this person or disappoint this person or whatever. And so it was like, oh, I, I always had problems with my throat chakra because of it, because I didn't mm. speak up. And I still have problems with that today, every now and then, I will tell you. Mm. Um, but I got to the place where it was like, ah, I want to just be able to speak and say whatever the hell I want to say. Mm. And I did this um, podcast challenge with Stacey Lauren on um, Facebook. It's the do the thing. Mm -hmm. And when I did that, she broke it down in so many little small pieces, which sounds like what you do. Mm. And all of a sudden I had a podcast and yeah. it was like, that's why I don't edit it. I don't do anything. Cause it's like, I spent my whole life editing everything. Mm. I don't want to edit anymore. Mm -hmm. I want to just be me. If my camera's not working right, like right now my lighting's off, you know, it's like, what the hell, who cares? And, you know, and so when we get through with this, you know, it'll be exactly as it is right now. I won't change a thing. Um, uh, you know, I'm not going to go in and take out the ums and the o's and the, any of that stuff. So um, it is what it is. And that's what I love about my podcast and having you as a guest is it's just uh, gives me a chance to speak and other people a chance to just speak and be and tell their truth. Mm, I love it. I just love I I love that. You know, I think some people might be like, well, I don't like editing, so I'm not going to edit. There's like a purpose behind it, right? Like it's a statement to actually let this be authentically real. Yeah. Like it's, I love that. I really do. Especially in a world where we're just shown these like perfect, perfected versions of everything. And it's boring. Yeah. I'm the only person who thinks it's boring because I think it's boring. I want to know the truth. Yeah. You know? Well, I did a, I did a live um, a couple of days ago because I was having a really tough morning, I will mm -hmm. say. And I got on and I was rawer than I've ever been mm -hmm. um, with crying and talking about things. And one of the things that I told everybody on this live, and I don't know how many people actually saw it. It doesn't really matter. I said it. Mm -hmm. um, but I told them that the next time they see somebody whose life looks perfect, just realize that that's a little snapshot of that moment and you don't have a clue what's going on inside and what chaos might be on the other side of the camera. And so for one thing, to not judge yourself against somebody else's perceived perfection and not to um, chastise yourself for not being where they are, but to also everybody that you see, send them love and grace because they're hiding what's going on because they don't feel capable of letting it out and they need more love and grace than they you you're aware of. Mm, I love that. 
And it's so true, right? Like we we have these moments and, and really what does the perfection do for, for most of us? It, it either, I mean, for some people it inspires, but I think for most of us, it's just, it triggers that like compare and despair, right? Yeah. That like just yeah. looking at it and feeling like we can't measure up, but it's Yeah, true. see, that's what some of that does to me. It's like, there is no way I can even compare to that, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but I will say sometimes they're showing me things that I wouldn't want anyway, <laughs> you know? Right. And that's the thing you, you're bringing the discernment there, right? Because, yeah. and I think that that's also kind of a skill that we need to develop, right? Yeah. This discernment to be able to look and sit and even ask ourselves, right? Cause we're, we're shown things in a way of like, Hey, you want this. Yeah. And then we got to go, Hey, do I want this? Right? Like, do I actually want, I don't know if I want this. Yeah. That was big for me. Like I, you know, for, for this year and for the success codex, I'm really taking a different approach with social media because I've been running the, running the Instagram thing. I'm tired of it. I don't really want it. Yeah. You know, it'll be a part of it, but it's not going to be the bulk of what I'm doing for that reason. I, I, my whole feed is filled with business coaches. And if I'm told what I'm doing wrong one more time, I'm going to make that. <laughs> oh, here's the one mistake you're making. I'm like, oh yeah. my God, I what know, is it now? I, I get those ads all the time. <laughs> right. Here's the yeah. three things that you can do yes. to be, have a million followers. Okay. I'm like, stop. And then and I click and I'm like, million why am I reading for? this? <laughs> Yeah, it is it's definitely very interesting. Yeah. But go ahead and um, share with everybody what that website is um, yes. and when it will be available yes. and then other ways that they can connect with you. And just to let everybody know that she's going to give me a list of ways to connect with her. Mm -hmm. And I will have that in the comments um, in the description so that you can um, access her in, in all of the capacities that she has. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, the the easiest way to get in contact with me is through Facebook or Instagram. And it's just my name. I know the spelling might be a little bit weird. So I'll just spell it out. A-N-K-H-A-R-A Rose, R-O-S-E. So Ankara Rose. Um, and it's at Ankara Rose on Facebook and at Ankara Rose uh, on Instagram. I, I do have a website, thesuccesscodex.com, and it's almost ready. It might be ready by the time this is live. You can go and click it and see if you can find it, uh, when wh whoever you are as you're listening and if you want. And, and all of the info about you know what I'm offering uh, will be there. But I, I really would like to just offer you know a, like a special rate if you're interested in a success codex reading with me um i i want to give like a special rate for just your listeners okay. so um i'll send a link for that as well all right wonderful so um i so appreciate you being here and being patient with me um directing us in a million different places i loved it <laughs> i loved it give me more <laughs> <laughs> it was so much fun. Thank you so much for this invitation. I feel like it just like made my week and it was so like you're you're just so real and so like I love the questions that you ask and you're so present and you so, so much joy and I just know oh. that everybody who listens to this just like just eating up your joy. That's oh, just, thank you. Yeah. That is so sweet. I appreciate you and you taking the time um, to be on here and to make an offer um, to everybody. I so appreciate that. So um, 
I would like to ask everybody or to say to everybody before we go, my last thoughts are the best way to predict the future is create it. So think about what you're creating. Absolutely. Mm -hmm.